Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Chris Pamela. My wife is the amazing, beautiful photographer that's always running around, Allison. And uh, man, I have the opportunity here at Healing Place to, to lead HPC men and the men's nights and the men's retreats and men's small groups and those things. But this morning, I have the honor to share the word of God with you. And that is the highest honor. Man, this book, this book that God has given us, the Bible, there is no book that, ha- that holds anything to it, you know. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you do for a living. This book has something for you. So to get to share out of this book is the highest honor. You know, many religions have books about their God, but only our religion has a book from our God. See, we don't have just words about him. We have words from him. And I get to share that with you this morning. You know, I've been given the task this morning of speaking on the topic of fear, overcoming fear. You know, fear is one of those things that it doesn't discriminate. Fear doesn't care what race you are, how much money you have in your bank account, what you did yesterday or today. Fear doesn't discriminate. Everyone deals with it. We all have to face fear, fear of the unknown, fear of the future, fear of the things that we can't control, right? You know, when I was little, I remember growing up in our apartment building, and my mom's bedroom was in the middle of our hallway. You know, I was probably six, seven years old. Don't judge me now. But walking down that hallway, if the lights were off in her room, for some reason, it just struck fear in me. You know, I'd be by myself walking down that hallway. When I come to her door, I'd have to, because you just never knew what was in there. You know, you never knew what was in the dark, what was in the unknown. And I know that we look at that and we laugh and we chuckle today, but the truth is, is that doorway, that doorway, that dark doorway of the unknown may change shape and form, but it still strikes fear into us today. You know, we may not be scared to walk by a dark doorway, but we may be scared to walk into a dark doorway. You know, the fact that we fear hangs on every decision we make. You know, what if this, what if this idea doesn't work out? You know, what if I step in and they reject me? What if it's just not enough? What if they don't love me back? What if it fails? What if I fail? So this morning, we're going to take a look at what God's word has to say about fear. We're going to take a look at the words of our God and how he addresses fear in our lives. So if you have your Bible, you can turn it to Matthew 14, 22. And just to give you a little context, this is a picture of Jesus and his disciples. They just finished up feeding the 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish. Such an amazing miracle. And we pick up in verse 22. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake. While he sent the people home. After sending them home, Jesus, it says, he went up into the hills to pray by himself, and night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting heavy waves. At about three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Walking on the water, that's our God. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But Jesus spoke to them at once. 
Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. Then Peter called to him, oh, Peter. Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So when Peter went over to the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus, but when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? And when they climbed back into that boat, the wind stopped and the disciples began to worship him. You really are the son of God, they exclaimed. The name of my message this morning is Messiah in the middle. Bow your heads with me. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you for your word, Lord. Oh, that you haven't sent us to this world by ourselves, Lord, but you've given us our, your word. Lord, your word says it is a light among our path, Lord. We thank you for your presence that is here, Lord, that is leading us, guiding us, and directing us, Lord. We thank you that you are a faithful God, that you love us, and Lord, that perfect love cast out all fear. So, Lord, we pray that you speak to us this morning, Lord, or that you speak through me, and Lord, let it be all about you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So many of you guys know that we have something here at Healing Place called Healing Place College. Shout out, HP College. And my wife and I are both alumni of this program, and it, it's one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. You know, my wife and I, we actually, we kind of met before, but we really got to know each other through that college. And we both graduated there, and we we both got engaged, actually our last day of school, another one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. But uh, as you graduate that college, basically at the, end of your, at the end of your, before your graduation, you actually go on an international mission trip. So, you know, we were given the opportunity to go to see our Honduras campus and to participate in what God was doing there. And we got to Honduras and, man, we, we hit the ground running. I mean, we spent a whole week painting in the heat doing construction projects, bringing beans to people's doors and bringing groceries to the neighborhoods. And we worked hard. So at about the, the, end of that, the end of that mission trip, they give you a fun day. So we had our fun day and we were excited. So they brought us to a hotel on the coast of Honduras on the beach. It's kind of like a Biloxi beach. You know, you're not, you're not really sure about getting in the water. I'm sorry if anybody, if anybody here is from Biloxi. I love Biloxi. But it's questionable. So they bring us to this beach, and there's a swimming pool and everything, and basically we were given the choice of that we could hang out and just swim at the place and eat hamburgers, or that we could go snorkeling. And they didn't give us much context about snorkeling, they just told us what it was going to cost and that we can go snorkeling. So I'm like, hey girl, we're going snorkeling. You know, this is an opportunity of a lifetime, go snorkeling in Honduras, this is awesome. So we pay our money to go snorkeling, and they put us on this wood boat. A yeah, wood rickety boat. It was painted blue. I can never forget it. A bright blue wood boat with an engine on the back of it. And we just get on this boat and we just take off toward the horizon. And it's about 10 of us on the boat, I guess. Uh, when we actually, yeah, we left all our leaders. The leaders stayed actually back at the swimming pool. And, you know, I didn't think anything of it. But, uh, man, it's me and it's about eight girls and one other guy. And uh, he's a good friend of mine. I'm not going to mention his name just for... Just to, yeah, you know. Uh, so, we, man, we take this boat off into nowhere. You can't see anything. 
So we just take this boat about 20, 25 minutes out into the middle of nowhere, and the water begins to change colors. And, I mean, it goes from, from brown to beautiful. So we're about 20 minutes out. I guess we're probably, I don't know, a couple of miles. You can't see anything at this point, no land anywhere around you. Then all of a sudden the boat stops, and the guy that was driving the boat stands up and starts speaking to us in Spanish. Well, none of us speak Spanish. But all I can understand is he's saying Limpira. Limpira and putting out his hand, well, Limpira means money. And then we're like, we have no Limpira. We paid for this already. And he just starts, Limpira, Limpira, I need my Limpira. And we're like, we don't have any. Man, at this time, I started to get a little nervous. I'm like, all right, man, this guy's, and just, just to give you all a little heads up, they no longer do this trip. Honduras is completely safe. I've been there three times since then. It is an amazing missions trip. But at this point, I wasn't thinking so hard. I mean, this guy's asking for money. Man, I look around, and it's nobody but me and a bunch of girls. Austin Wright's not necessarily the guy that you bring to a fight. <laughs> and I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do. And then all of a sudden, another boat comes out of nowhere. And this boat pulls up to our boat. And then the guys that also only speak Spanish on that boat get onto our boat. And at this point, I'm like, oh, we're about to die. I'm like, God, I just got engaged. I'm trying to do this the right way. Let me get married. Come on. And at that point, I realized, man, I am in the wrong boat. My first point for us today as we talk about overcoming fear is, number one, board the right boat. You see, when I was in that boat in the middle of nowhere, Man, I couldn't see an inch of land in sight. A life jacket wasn't going to do me any good. An inspirational Facebook quote ain't going to do me any good. A Bible verse that's taken out of context wasn't going to do anything for me at that point. It's like, be still and know. Yeah, I know I'm in the wrong boat. You see, if you're in the wrong boat, you're just simply in the wrong boat. We'll pick that story back up in a second. But the past couple of weeks as I began to prepare for this message and, and pray and just seek God on what he wanted to do and began to do a little research and listen to some other preachers preach on this topic, man, I started to get excited because, man, I just had all this, this big flashy preacher talk. You know, I had a couple of Hamanisms in the back pocket, some things that rhyme, some things that might get me tweeted on, on Twitter, you know what I'm saying, things that are big, flashy, and amazing. And, uh, man, I was just excited to preach this message. I was going to say stuff like, God turns your waves into wonder. You know, he turns the waves into wonder and storms into stories for his glory. That there's revelation in the resistance. And all these things are true. They're all true. But the truth is this morning, if you're in the wrong boat, a life jacket or a catchy quote ain't going to do you any good because you're heading in the wrong direction. You see, I wanted to preach this stuff because it sounded so good and it made me look so good. Man, I'm like, this is my one shot, you know. I get an opportunity to preach. I want them to remember me. But I remember eventually getting to a place where I just never felt peace about what those things that I wanted to say. And I remember God got me to a place where he said, you know what, Chris, if you want to preach that, good luck. I hope it goes well. But that's not my boat. That's your boat trying to impress people. That's your boat trying to say something. You know, if that's what you want to do, go for it, but that's not what I've called you to. 
See, God only sustains what he ordains. He's only responsible to bring you through the things that he's called you to. See, verse 22, it says immediately after this, it says that Jesus insisted that his disciples get into that boat and cross to the other side. My question for you this morning, who's driving the boat of your life? Are you in the boat that Jesus insisted that you be in? See, so many times we ask God to bless what we're doing instead of doing what he's already blessing. See, I can stand up here this morning and I can give you the most inspiring, encouraging verses in this book. But the truth is, if you're directing the path of your life and you're simply only inviting Jesus to be a part of it, you're in the wrong boat and it won't do you any good. You may leave here today feeling a little encouraged. You may feel, leave here feeling inspired for a little while. But see, Jesus didn't come to this earth and die on a cross and rise in three days to inspire you for a moment. He came to change you for a lifetime. He came to transform you for a lifetime. See, Jesus isn't a life jacket. He's a lifestyle. Jesus didn't come here so that we could treat our fears. Jesus came, died on a cross, and rose three days later so that he could defeat fear. So that he could destroy fear. But the absence of fear is only found in the abandonment of our own boats. The abandonment of our own ways. The abandonment of our own desires. The own things that we think are good. You see, we had to say, not my way, God, but your way. Not my boat, but your boat. You lead and direct the path of my life. And if anyone's had to learn this the hard way, it's me. You know, I remember... In, my, in my, my testimony building stage, when I was running from God and, and the call of God on my life, I knew that God had a plan for me, and I just ran from it. I ran from it. I remember the first time that I had to go to jail, I was sentenced 90 days. 90 days, East Baton Rouge Parish Prison. Man, I remember laying in that bed one night, and man, for the first time in a long time, I heard the voice of God. And he said, you know what, Chris, if you want to you want to live your life your way, you're going to live it right here in this jail bed. So you're going to either live your life your way or you're going to live it my way. But I've got a call. I've got a purpose and a plan for you. But if you are going to choose to use it, live it your way, you're going to live it right here. And, you know, I got out of jail, and I got right back in my boat. I got right back in my boat. I'm telling you, for the next 10 years, I couldn't get away with nothing. Man, I've been arrested checking my mail. I've been arrested three times in one day before, my mama would just call me randomly and say, hey, Chris, I'm praying today that you get arrested. Because at least I know that you're alive if you're there. You see, until we abandon our way, we're going to hit storms after storm. See, the truth is, a lot of times the very fear that we're fighting here this morning is the vehicle that God's trying to use to bring you closer to him that he's trying to use to call us out of his bo our boats and into his. See, it's not simply enough just to believe in Jesus. James 2.19 says that even the demons believe, yet they tremble in fear. See, we have to make Jesus the director, the author, and the pilot of our lives. He's the only firm foundation. He's the only investment that's a sure thing. He's the only promise that stands, and it'll cost you everything, but it'll pay out exponentially through peace, joy, and promise for all your days long. You see, his promises are only for his path. His provision is in his path, and his peace is in his path. We have to board the right boat, church. We have to board the right boat.
My second thing when it comes to overcoming fear is you got to bring the right people. And we got to have the right people on your boat. You know, if you want to get healthy, surround yourself with healthy people. If you want to get fit, surround yourself with fit people. If you want to conquer fear and have a bigger faith, man, surround yourself with faith-filled people. When looking for the people to invite into our boat, I thought of two things that are, that are really prerequisite, prerequisites for my boat. And the first one is somebody that's going in the same direction. The last thing you want in the middle of the storm is somebody paddling the wrong way. Somebody that is going the right direction. Now hear me clearly, there's a difference between boundaries and walls. I'm not talking about just cutting all the people out of your life and saying, oh, I'm holy now. You know, I'm talking about the people that you really give a paddle to in your life. The people that you really give weight to their words to. And the truth is, man, sometimes we've got to evaluate. We've got to evaluate who has a paddle in my life. And are they going in the same direction I am in? The truth is, maybe there's some people in here today that you know, I need, I need to take my paddle back. Take your paddle back. Take your paddle back. That's your paddle. Maybe there's some voices in your life that you need to turn the volume down. Maybe if you're being honest, there's no one in your boat. You've held all your paddles, and you're surrounded by fear. You're fighting, paddling with all you got by yourself. Paddling with all you got, and you're scared because you don't know how it's going to turn out. We've got to have the right people in our boats, people that are going in the same direction that we're going in, people that are pursuing God, people that will push you forward in faith instead of pull you back in fear. Take your paddles back. Give your paddles to the right people. And the second thing that when it comes to, to finding people to invite along in this journey, to invite into your boat, is people that understand his voice. You see, when we pick up in verse 25, it says, About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. Some other translations say that they couldn't see him clearly. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! But it says Jesus spoke to them at once. See, they couldn't see things clearly, but he spoke to them at once. Don't be afraid, he said. Take courage. I am here. The truth is the word says that there's going to be storms in our life no matter what. See, there's two different kinds of storms that we find in life. There's storms of correction and there's storms of perfection. See, there's storms in our life that God will use to correct us, to get us in the right boat, to get us on the right path. But there's also storms that he will use to perfect our faith, that he'll use to strengthen and solidify the faith within us. And the truth is that in those storms, things will get fuzzy. Things will get fuzzy. You won't see clearly. Fear will try to creep in. Anxiety will try to cloud your view. And you won't always be able to see God clearly. You won't always be able to understand what he's doing. But his voice, his voice, his word and his ways will be your guide. See, we found ourselves in the middle of those waters of Honduras, terrified. Man, they're yelling at us. We're in mass chaos. I don't know if I'm going to die. I don't know if I'm ever going to get married. I'm like, man, this is a mess. And then all of a sudden, one of our students stands up. After about probably 10 minutes of us yelling, one of our students stand up and she just starts speaking Spanish. I'm like, all right, Angela, 
first off, I'm like, where have you been the last 10 minutes when I've been trying to figure out how to turn a knife out of this two by four? I told y'all I've been in jail before. But then she starts to speak Spanish and things begin to calm down. Things begin to calm down, voices lower. And I start to realize that everything is going to be all right. See, we got to surround ourselves with people that speak the language of God. People that know the ways of God. People that will bring you perspective in the middle of the storm. And say, you know what, Joseph had to go to the pit and the prison before he ever stepped foot in the palace. That David had to sit in a field for years before he was ever found to be king. People that will say, so even though you don't see it, even though it doesn't make sense that our God is up to something. Turn to your neighbor and tell him that he is up to something. See, my wife is the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me. Man, I'm married up. I don't know what her dad was thinking when he told me yes. I'm telling you, when I first met him, I had dreadlocks, tattoos. I'd just been out of jail. I don't know how long. That's a miracle of God. Talking about walking on water. But my wife is amazing. But to be honest with you, man, when we first got married for our first year of marriage, you know, we're trying to blend two different lives. You know, they say when you're dating, opposites attract, but when you get married, opposites attack. <laughs> and I had some issues, and she wasn't trying to give me tissues. <laughs> but, man, we went through about a year of trying to blend our lives. And, man, at times, if I'm being honest with you, if I'm being really transparent, there are times that things weren't clear. Things were fuzzy. Man, I don't know if we're going to make it. Man, this, is, I don't, I just, this isn't what I expected. This isn't what I thought this was going to be like. Things got fuzzy. But if it weren't for people in our lives that knew God's word, that weren't concerned with my words, they weren't concerned with her words, but they always brought it back to his word, I don't know where we'll be today. I'm thankful for people that spoke his words in the midst of chaos, in the midst of a storm. But see, the truth is we've got to invite those people into our boats. Man, it doesn't happen on accident. If nothing happens, nothing happens. If nothing changes, nothing changes. We've got to be intentional about the people that we invite into our boats. Man, if it weren't for the small groups that I was a part of, I don't know if I was going to make it. Man, if it wasn't for the marriage counselors that we sat down in front of, I don't know if we would have made it. But we're thankful for the people that had God's word inside of them, that spoke God's word. We've got to invite those people into our boats. We've got to be intentional. Man, as a church, I don't know how long you've been coming to this church. Maybe today's your first day, but we are at your disposal. Some of you need to invite a marriage counselor into your boat. Some of you need to invite a pastor, a small group into your boat. And we want to make that happen. We want to make that happen. We'll do whatever it takes for you to accomplish and walk in the things that God has for you. Because God wants you to walk in peace. Don't let your boat sink only because you didn't invite anyone along for the journey. We're here for you as a church. My third point is we got to meet him in the middle. we got to meet him in the middle. See, I haven't gotten the opportunity to see Israel yet, but scholars that have been there and have studied this book, they tell us that that this whole story of the disciples on the sea took place on the Sea of Galilee. And the disciples were on a boat ride from Bethsaida to Capernaum, which is about a four-mile journey. 
And here we see the disciples fighting the storm. It says that the wind and the waves were ferocious. And the Bible places them there at about 3 o'clock in the morning. And it says that they were paddling with all they've got. And see, they've been in storms like this before. You know, earlier in Matthew, we see them in a storm. But see, last time Jesus was with them. Last time Jesus was with them in a the storm. But this time, he was nowhere to be found. But what I thought was awesome is that people that have also been to this place, they say that from the hills and the mountains of Capernaum, one can easily see all the way across the Sea of Galilee. They can see all the way from Capernaum. They can see all the way from Bethsaida to Capernaum. See, even though the disciples had Jesus nowhere in sight, he saw them and knew exactly where they were in the storm. Even though they didn't see him, he saw them. And I don't know where you find yourself today, but can I encourage you, friend, that although you may not see Jesus in the storm, things may be fuzzy, things may not be clear that he sees you. He sees you. He knows exactly where you're at this morning. The keys can go ahead and come up. He sees the pain that you wonder if anyone else sees. He sees the tears that hit your pillow at night. He sees it all. He sees the wayward child that you pray for all day long because you don't know if he's going to come back home. He sees the fear that cripples you behind closed doors. He sees the fear that cripples you from saying yes to things that you know he has for you. Because you don't know how they're going to turn out. They're the things that are out of your control that you built this comfort zone for yourself. And it just terrifies you to step out. It terrifies you to step out and, and say, you know, maybe I will come to the altar. Maybe I will speak with a pastor. Maybe I will go to marriage counseling. He sees those things this Sunday morning. So why doesn't he do anything about it? Because he sees the other side too. He sees the miracle that could happen in the middle. He is in the middle. He's the Messiah in the middle. He's the miracle in the middle that we can meet him and we can meet with heaven in the middle of hell. You see, sometimes the bigger miracle isn't the absence of storms but it's his presence in the storm. The fact that you can be in the middle of the storm and you can keep walking, that you can keep praying, that you can keep praising and believing. You see, we see enough people without storms on Instagram and Facebook. We see people without storms. What people need to say is people that will say, I'm in the storm, but he is with me. So I have no fear. So I have no doubt. I know what he's promised me. He's promised me that he'll make all things work together for my good. That I'm going to make it to the other side. And that's a promise. That Philippians 1, 6 says, I can remain confident that in all things, he, not me, he will bring to completion the good work that he started in me. He's the miracle in the middle. You show me someone that can say that in the middle of a storm, and I'll show you somebody that who's met him in the middle. You know, as I begin to get more opportunities to share the gospel and to share God's word with him, and crowds get bigger and pe people get more adult-like and people get more professional and, and I, I, I get intimidated to try to impress more, I always go back and I, I wonder how much of my own story to share or even to share it at all. You know, should I share how much of an idiot I was? <laughs> should I share how bad of a person I was? But God always seems to remind me at some point that it's not about me in the first place. See, I don't care how bad it makes me look because in the end it only makes him look that much better. 
I'm tired of trying to look like I have it all together. I'm tired of trying to look like I know all the answers. See, all I know is Jesus. All I know that in the middle of my storm, in the middle of my storm, I didn't know where I was going. I was facing 10 years in prison. I didn't know how my bills were going to get paid. I didn't know how things were going to turn out. But I stepped out of that boat and I said, I hear you calling, so I'm coming to you this morning. Is anybody in here can hear him calling? He's calling out to you in the morning. All I know in the middle of my storm, even my own stuff will be in the question, Chris, how are you going to stay clean? You've been trying to stay clean for 10 years. You've been in and out of rehab. You really think you're going to get this time? How are you going to stay clean? I don't know. But Jesus, oh, Chris, you're really going to go to Bible college even though you don't have a dollar to your name? How? I don't know, but I know Jesus. Oh, Chris, you're going to be a men's pastor even though you're only 30 years old? You don't even know what a man is? How? I don't know, but Jesus. Chris. You're really going to step out and say you're going to do private adoption even though you're in ministry? And it could cost up to $50,000. You've never even seen that kind of money in your life. How are you going to do that? I don't know. But I know Jesus. He's the way maker. And I don't know what storm you find yourself in this morning, but he's the miracle in the middle of your storm today. He's the answer to your uncertainty. He wants to silence every fear that you be facing, and he's calling out to you this morning. Some of you feel it in your hearts right now. You're not even standing up yet, but you feel something inside of you stirring. That's him calling out to you. Step out of the boat. Come, trust me. The word says that perfect love casts out all fear. And the opportunity that we face today is an opportunity to walk, live, breathe, and sleep in the midst of perfect love. That our Creator, the Creator of heaven and earth, loves you. He wants to destroy fear in your lives. But it's going to take stepping out of your boat. It's going to take stepping out of what makes sense. Man, in a room that's this side, does it make sense to come down here at an altar? No, none at all. It doesn't make any sense by the world's view at all, but it makes all the sense in heaven's view. Because his presence is in this room, and his presence changes everything. You see, his presence, his presence is what turns head knowledge into heart knowledge. His presence is the highway from our head to our hearts. And some of you have known of God your whole life, but this morning he wants you to know him. He wants to take it from your head to your heart. It's going to take doing what you've never done to get the peace that you've never had before. He went all the way to the cross for us. He went all the way to the cross. The least that we can do is meet him in the middle. If he silenced the wind and waves of sin, of death, of hell, it doesn't matter how big the wind and waves look to you today. They're no match for him. There's no match for him. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.